My Mother, The Person and the Patient is an original podcast written and hosted by me, Fortuna Kuso. This podcast is about my mother, Timira Abdusamid Muhammad, Ayaya we call her. And that's the Somali word for grandmother. And her great-grandchildren call her Ayaya too. And that is their way of saying great-grandmother. As a caregiver for over 12 years now, I realized there are things that happen every year, every month, every week, every day. And you know these are going to happen. And you know this has happened before and it's going to happen again in the future. And it's happening now. But those happenings never fail to startle you, at least to startle me. What happens is my services just go wonky, starting with July and August and the beginning of September until we get to probably around September 15th. It's always challenging. I'm not saying it's not challenging other months, but these weeks are the most difficult of times because there are a lot of personal support workers that are not taking as many hours during those times. The summer months, July and August, I can deal with it because I don't have to be at work. Since I'm a teacher, I'm off July, I'm off August. I am not sitting there and thinking, I need to make it to work. The greatest challenge is when three things come together. I need to be at work by eight o'clock. And that means I need to leave my house no later than 7.40, If I do not have somebody be there by 6.45, I won't be able to make it to work on time. So the difference between somebody coming 6.45 to 6.50 is an hour, 40 minutes, 30 minutes. That's how much that five minutes costs me. So those collide, my stress level is through the roof and I'm worried about the person not coming on time and I'm going to be late for work. So all those are running through my head and I am already overwhelmed by the time I get to 6.50. Add that to the agency where I get my workers coming in the morning to help me out, get my mother out of bed and showered and ready and had her breakfast and medication. If that worker is off and the company knows this worker would be off days in advance, weeks in advance, they do not let me know. So I'm waiting for somebody to come seven o'clock. Nobody's coming. And if I call the company, my call before eight o'clock goes to their London office because I live in Windsor and their Windsor office doesn't take calls until eight o'clock in the morning and they're done five o'clock. So anytime from 5 p.m. to 8 a.m. next morning, my calls are forwarded to the London office. And that office, for some reason, has no information on my mother. It feels when I'm speaking to them that they have no access to a computer system that will give them information about my mother. I'm explaining and re-explaining, re-explaining. So as you can imagine, over the years, I learned 
not to call before eight o'clock because I'm not getting anywhere and I'm just going to get more stressed out. And I don't really want to spend the time instead of trying to take care of my mother. So I just don't call. But then what happens is they would call me, let's say 11 o'clock. Yesterday, for example, nobody came in the morning. I was able to manage. I got a call 10 to noon. Somebody telling me, oh, sorry, we're calling you to let you know we couldn't fill your hour this morning. All I need to know is somebody to tell me from this day to this day, we don't have anybody scheduled to see your mother. So I have the opportunity to plan ahead. Tell me we don't have anybody to come in for you. We will do the best we can to send somebody. But at this point, we do not have anybody to come and be there before seven o'clock. So you know, and you are prepared to do what you need to do to take care of your mother. That's what I need to hear. And Every time that I asked, why did this happen, including yesterday, I was told, do you want to speak to a manager? And I said, yes, I would love to speak to a manager. I was put on hold. A few seconds later, the person came back and said, the manager is in a meeting for the rest of the day. Are you okay if they call you after work, after five o'clock? I said, yes, but I can assure you they would not call me because there was numerous times over the years when I was told the manager would call you back and nobody called me back. In order for me to deal with the stressors that come with agencies that are not helping, with workers that are human, with situations that continuously fall apart, I had to make sure I am keeping myself calm and accepting I cannot control all the variables that surrounds my mother's caregiving. So all I can do is what I can do and accept the fact that some days I cannot do everything I would love to do. And some days I could do more than I need to do. And it's within balance that I find the peace to continue to breathe through the challenges so I can be the best caregiver that I am to my mother. And that has made all the difference. When you listen to how we arrived at my mother's diagnosis and what followed, it's so easy to see her just as the patient, to see her as nothing more than the disease that reduced her to shell of her old self. But I want also to tell you about my mother, the person, the fierce woman that told her stories unapologetically, celebrating the beautiful parts and harsh realities equally. I want to share with you the stories she told us about her life as a girl growing up in a small village, the tales that marked her adulthood. I want to share with you all her losses and the ultimate winnings. following chapter is one of those stories reconstructed from my childhood memory. The month that followed Timir's tour to the base facilities was a great time 
with the joy she found in spending limitless time with her children. She'd brush their hair and teeth and wash their faces. Timira would take her children and walk to the back of the base as soon as they finished breakfast. In here, uprooted trees stood like giant playing game pieces. It was like the nature's bustle gone wild. What is this? Fukuya asked, pointing at a plant with an odd-looking shape. I don't know. Timira and her children discovered new plants of all shapes and sizes, sprouting out of place where growth shouldn't have occurred. And often, it was difficult to label, but that only made Timira want to be there even more. Each day that passed, her children in tow, Timiro explored further and further into the parts of the base that no one seemed to reach. Mounds of dirt created lumpy landscape like many mountains. It was a wild mix of chaos and order where the natural world seemed to have its plan. As she returned to the mess hall for lunch, the contrast between the world she'd left behind and the bustling horror of the military operation struck her. Soldiers marched in a perfect formation toward their midday meal, their boots hitting the ground with synchronized precision. Helicopters hovered, slicing through the air like formidable birds of prey before landing with a deafening roar. For Timiro, the stark juxtaposition between the front and the back of the military base was like witnessing two entirely different worlds coexisting in the same space. And she was happy with that. Where do you go every day? Mohammed had asked her one evening at the beginning of her expeditions. Just taking the children to play, she said without looking at him. Shouldn't they play with the other children? Timiro turned to him quickly to read his expression. When they are ready, she said, even though she should have said when I am ready. They both knew she needed to keep her children in sight and running around with other children made them disappear into the crowd. She tried it once when she took Rukuya to the play area to be with other children. Timira only lasted a few minutes before she jumped out of her seat, weaved through the playing children and grabbed her daughter. She was in a full-blown panic when she reached home. Someone had dispatched her husband, though Timira never found out who. Mohammed stayed with her for the rest of that day to calm her down. Just be careful, her husband said. Don't let them touch any metal parts. Those could explode. We only go as far as the chain link fence. She wanted to reassure her husband. She wouldn't take the children to the other side of the sign that read out of bounds at the beginning of the fence. Despite the curiosity that bubbled within her each time she saw the jumble of equipment on the other side. That's good. Mohammed reminded her to keep safe once every few days. No one else had asked her where she went. Her time was hers alone, and she could spend it roaming the hidden crevices of the base, spending every waking minute with her children, alone, without fear. 
have a meeting with the other wives next Saturday. Muhammad delivered the terrible news to Timira at the beginning of their second month in the base. For what? Timira was happy to be left alone. To be ignored by other women meant freedom for her. And with her husband's words, she heard her alone time disappear with a whooshing sound. To add you to the chore schedule, as she used the shower stall, washing base, mess hall, and the dry goods store to pick up cleaning supplies, she never thought about who worked to maintain the precise order and cleanliness the entire base exuded. Timida had so many questions for her husband. How often is she expected to clean and how much would she have to clean? Would she do it alone or work with someone else? I am sure they will give you all the details. Muhammad didn't have many answers to her questions, for this was the first time he worked out of a large, self-sustaining base. In the last 15 years, he was stationed in a small outposts where the families lived outside the base. This might be a good way to connect with other women and make friends. Connecting and making friends was the last thing on Timira's mind, but she kept that thought to herself. Her husband was a good man who meant well, but Timira didn't know if he could appreciate her desperate need to keep her children safe and away from others, and how finding the time to leave the hum of the main base accomplished both. In the five days between the announcement of the meeting to the Saturday when she would face other women, her visits to the back of the base took a new meaning. Instead of once a day, she added a second visit right after the children's afternoon nap, picking up clumps of black earth to expose the root of their last discovery. Timira had so many scenarios of how the meeting would go run through her mind. It was not the chores they might assign that bothered her. She was used to hard work. Timira felt she was facing a new loss, a life of so many losses. Losing connection with her place of peace weighed heavily on her. Despite the effort to suppress her fear of meeting that lay ahead, Timiro struggled to keep calm. It's only to divide the chores. Mohammed had told her each time Timiro shared her worry, all they want to do is to tell you how they divide the work among them and when your turn is. His words had done nothing to calm her nerves. What are you so concerned about? I don't fit with them. She latched onto the first thought that came to her, but that wasn't far off the feeling of an outsider germinating in her chest. What do you mean? Mohammed seemed confused. They are military wives like you. Timira tried to explain to her husband the glares that came her way that first morning over a month ago. Did I not tell you how they looked at me when I took the children to the shower? 
the memory of that day flooded back and the feeling that she didn't belong and would never belong to cold. Did they say anything? Of course they didn't, but she heard it all the same. Their words were written all over their action. She saw them turn away from her deliberately. They wouldn't respond to her greetings, even though she said it loud enough for them to hear over the running water. She spoke even louder for every day since, but they behaved as if they'd said nothing. You remember how I was shaking when I returned home? How could he forget? Because it took him over an hour that day to rock her to sleep. But you were new then. Perhaps they didn't know who you were. Tamira could tell her husband was grasping. This will help you connect with them on an equal level, he said, pausing for a few seconds. But I want you to try too. Her husband had said more than once before she left for the meeting. Do your part the best way you know how. He watched her closely until she nodded in agreement. I can keep the children Mohammed offered so you don't have to worry about watching them. Timira stepped out of the house, her heart heavy with anticipation and nervousness. My mother, the person and the patient, can be found in Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please remember to follow, like, and share, and join me next week as I share with you another episode of my mother's journey as both the person and the patient. Thank you. Thank you.